for the longest time, to gain that extra bit of miles an hour, you would swing something heavier. So think of it as a baseball. Um, Wait, no, hold on. Let's let's test your baseball knowledge. What's it called? Where are you when you're using these things? The weights. Well, you're not in the bullpen. Oh, boy. You're no. outside in that little circle getting warmed up. Uh-huh. What's that called? The, the warm-up warm circle. circle. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my God. That would be on deck if you're on deck. Well, you're not on a boat, so that's stupid. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 51 of No Putts Given. Today, we're answering the question everyone wants to know. How do you gain more distance? We've got five guaranteed ways. So, fellas, how about we break it down? Let's get it. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. Cool. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy... My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. Hey, everybody. We've got Tony, Harry, and Chris here. I'm Miranda. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, as always, to like, subscribe, leave us comments. We want to know what you think. Doesn't mean we'll listen. We still want to know. We're going to talk this week about five guaranteed ways to gain distance. Protein shakes. There you go. <laughs> CBD. There's two. What flavor CBD specifically? Um, I got two uh, two going this week. Um, back to lemon lime. It's super okay. good. I just got this in. It's a cooling gel roll with menthol. I would think it'd be good for people with like bad elbows. Maybe a little sore spot on the back. Kind of like an icy hot, but better. Yeah, we're gonna give that a try and see uh see how that works. So I can always tell when Harry uses that. It smells like old people in our room. <laughs> I walk in and I was like, you've been rubbing that thing but I am. on your elbow. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in pain. All right. So five guaranteed ways to get distance. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, guys, we've talked about this in the past, but something that does make a big difference that maybe a lot of golfers don't know about is the angle of attack. Chris, can you elaborate on what the angle of attack is and why it matters? Well, yeah, for sure. But um, before we do that, maybe you know, maybe a word or two of explanation. Why is distance continuing to be such a big topic of conversation, right? It is and it isn't vital to the game, right? Like, I mean, so many companies sell based on distance and some of it's hyperbole, some of it's actual. But we know that in the game, distance matters. It, it absolutely does. You know, we can get into all the different stats and, and and things around why uh why that's the case but um you know you look at bryson look at these guys recently and and you know again kind of putting it right in front of uh in front of the usga and the ruling bodies that that uh, you know does the golf ball go too far and we've talked about some of that stuff but that notwithstanding yeah amateurs want to hit the ball further a lot of people want to hit the ball further idea number one yeah is is angle of attack right so let's take a golf ball Got a little golf ball here. When you're making impact, if, if this were the club, if you're coming into it slightly down, so we call it kind of a descending blower and negative angle of attack, that's one option, right? If you come in, let's say, like at a zero, you know, like a really super flat angle of attack, call that like zero, and a positive angle of attack, right? You're kind of coming up at it uh, in that fashion. Obviously, if a ball is sitting down, on the ground, you know, where wedges, iron, so on and so forth, you're not going to be able to hit up on it. You don't want to hit up on it, right? You want to have a negative angle of attack uh, with those clubs. But when you're hitting a ball off a tee 
with a driver and gain a, a little bit of distance just by maybe changing your angle of attack. If you happen to be somebody that hits down on the ball, if you have a really negative angle of attack, simply shifting to something that's even more neutral or even hitting up on it slightly uh, is a super easy way to gain a little bit of distance. I know that Ping has, um, and maybe Matt, you can uh, throw this on there. Ping just recently put out a great chart um, looking at basically how to optimize your distance based on your current angle of attack. Now, it's not necessarily saying here's exactly what will happen if you change your angle of attack, but if you look at that chart and read into it and look at the math involved, uh, you can usually gain 8, 10, 12 yards just simply by going, let's say, from a zero or even you know negative one uh, degree angle of attack to a plus one or plus two. So we're not talking drastic changes, but you could gain 8, 10, 12, 15 yards simply by hitting up on the ball a degree, two degrees, three degrees. Yeah, and the reason why that has such an impact on distance is there's a, a measurement that TrackMan came up with called spin loft. And effectively, that is the difference between your angle of attack and your dynamic loft. And really simply, the dynamic loft is like, hey, how much loft was on the club when I hit the golf ball? If it's an eight degree driver, for example, and you come in perfectly flat and it hit the middle of the face, it's eight degrees. But mostly, you know, there's some deflection. So your dynamic loft tends to be higher than your, your actual loft. And the thing is, is that the spin loft, which again is the difference between dynamic loft and attack angle, as those values come closer together, TrackMan defines that as compression itself. And so effectively, the lower your spin loft, the more efficient you're going to be with, with how the golf ball reacts to the club. So you will get more speed effectively when when you have a, uh, a narrower spin loft. Again, and, and a lot of that comes from changing that attack angle. If you do nothing else different with the club, if that dynamic loft stays the same, but you're now hitting up on it versus hitting level or down, spin loft narrows, more efficient transfer of energy, more speed, more distance, boom. Boom. Harry, are there is there any drill or ways that golfers can work on changing their attack angle? I know that you worked on it before you gained a bunch of distance because you were swinging the club quickly, but you weren't getting as much distance as you are now. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, two things changed for me is angle of attack and getting the correct shaft in there. That was a huge difference because when I first came into my golf spy, I think I was about a minus three angle of attack. Wow. And hitting about 290... At 120 plus 125 mile an hour swing speed. <laughs> uh, 100, 120. <laughs> yeah. But so I was getting to about 290 to 300 on occasions. And then I put the correct shaft in there and then shallowed out my swing a bit. Uh, instead of hitting down on it when it felt like I was still hitting up, it took a while for me to actually hit up on the ball. And now I'm a plus three. So the way the way I I did it is instead of transferring my weight to my left early, my left side early, I I just held back just a little bit. I'm basically thinking that the butt of the club to target for as long as possible and then not coming down with my hands that way but actually coming down to the right. That makes sense. It's kind of hard to explain um without showing. It's actually that butt to the club at the target. That, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I think so, it does. Right, there you go. Buy the club to target longer. And I was going to say, here's another interesting tidbit. And I, I don't know if we 
probably need to fact check this a little bit, but you see like just some of the changes that Bryson has made, right? Where he's gone from, you know, Bryson in, in, in 2019 to, you know, Lou Fregno, the Hulk Bryson, <laughs> whatever he is this year. And, and part of the change, right? Part of the change is his physical characteristics, but really part of it is how he's going about trying to hit the ball further, right? Lower lofted driver. He's teeing it up a little bit higher. I want to say his attack angle, like plus six or plus seven. No, it's plus eight and a half. Plus eight and a half. <laughs> I, I mean, believe that's, so. That's long drive territory kind of stuff, right? Average average on the PGA Tour is actually negative, right? It's like negative 1.3, 1.2, somewhere right in there. But you look at these guys that hit the ball far, you know, particularly guys that uh, that hit a little bit of a higher, uh, higher shot, a little bit of a high draw like Rory does. Rory's like plus three to plus five. So you see these guys on tour that are hitting it further, uh, and, and guys are trying to get that higher launch to maximize distance. Yeah, the tour average may be a, a hair negative, but the guys that are really trying to bomb it out there, they are, you know, changing their attack angles to get a little bit more positive with it. You have to be careful of the spin rates because I've changed my angle of attack to plus, say, three, I think it is now. But occasionally I'll hit one off the high, off the top bit of the club, off the toe, and it just falls out of the sky because it's not creating enough spin to stay in the air longer. So it's it's it will roll out to about three hundred, but it will pitching about two sixty and rolling out thought forty yards. So that's not as efficient. So you really have to find that happy medium. Because I was spinning it about three and a half thousand before I came to my golf spot. Good lord! Yeah, the Bryson. I mean, that's a great example when you talk about the the pairing that. Super low lofted driver, right? He's seven and a half turned down to five and a half, I believe. And we, we certainly re- wouldn't recommend that for just about anybody because you need a you need a lot of speed to get that in the air. But if if you again talking about spin loft, right? You you want to increase your angle of attack and decrease your your dynamic loft. And and the easiest way to decrease dynamic loft is to to start with less static loft. And so, you know, when you're when you're taking a, a five and a half degree driver and swinging up on it. Seven? You're at twelve? Yeah, you're <laughs> you taking know? your spin loft window. Like for me, if visual representation is like this, you know? And, right. and now you're getting it to something like that. And that is, I mean, that is a recipe for absolutely massive distance just just from the efficiency of the strike alone. You speak of efficiency, strike efficiency, I can say that strike efficiency <laughs> is one of the top five things you can do to gain distance. So Tony, it sounds very obvious if you hit the ball in the center of the club, it's going to go further, but how can we make sure we hit the center of the club on every strike? Yeah, so the the, the quick, simple, people hate me for an answer is is go get fit, right? That's that's part of it is working with a fitter that will help you find Damn it, the, Tony. the, the so combination of, of head and shaft and, and maybe even grip, right? That allows you to deliver the impact to the center of a squared or at least oriented where you want it to be club face. But yeah, in terms of if you're just trying to figure this out by yourself and, and you're noticing that your impact is kind of all over the face... You know, if it's if it's heel side or toe side, then then you're sort of like, all right, maybe I need to lengthen the shaft or, or shorten the shaft. But definitely, if you're just like, hey, I need to be more consistent with where I'm hitting it, shortening the shaft can make an absolutely massive impact. And you know, there is there is absolutely a, a correlation, right? If a, a longer shaft is typically going to produce more speed and and ultimately more distance on your best strikes, but 
you know, we, we don't get to just play our best strikes. We have to live with, you know, however many swings over the course of a round, they all count. And so by shortening the shaft, uh, a lot of golfers are going to find the center of the club face way more often. And, you know, it, it, in terms of distance and consistency, it's, it's hard to beat centered impact as a, as a key variable for, for making that happen. Well, we're only talking about maybe half an inch to an inch, depending on how long your driver is. So it's not that, not that much. Correct. When I like my, my, my uh, driver shaft is I think 44 and three quarters. I think Tony knows more than I do about it as he helped me fit the shaft. Um, it's the shorter shaft definitely does help. Now, another thing I would add in there is there are shafts out there that can help you find the middle of the club face more often than not. Like the Ventus, uh, for example, that is a really good shaft to help you find that middle of the club face. How does a shaft make a difference in finding the middle of the club face? So when you, in, in a downswing, everything is kind of a moving part, right? We, we tend to think of this, this golf club as this thing without hinges or, or gears or anything like that. But as you swing it and apply forces, especially as you're moving closer to impact, invariably the, the club pitches forward. So kind of the, the club head races ahead of the shaft. And so you get added loft there at the same time, the toe typically is going dipping down a little bit. That's called toe droop. And, and you're getting a little bit of the, this face closure rate. So you, essentially as you're moving into the ball, the, the shaft is trying to move the head in, in three directions simultaneously. And it's a lot going on. And so Basically, what you want to do is find a shaft that sort of works with your swing and so that all those things come together in a way that, that produces a, a positive result. And so if, if the profile of the shaft is, is, isn't right or, or is really wrong for you, those things that the shaft does just because of the physics of the way things work are, are going to be detrimental to your success. Whereas a properly fit shaft where all those things are accounted for and are working with you is going to help you find, not only find the center of the face more often, but align that, that face position at impact so that it's essentially pointed at your target line and not, you know, flipping closed or, or hanging wide open. So it's actually, it's one of these things. It's, it's hugely important and, and often overlooked, especially from an accuracy perspective and, and the shaft's role in, in taking your dispersion from way out here and kind of bringing it tighter. And Harry, that was your experience? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, another, another way to, if you're trying to improve your efficiency, when you're thinking about it, efficiency, you're, all right, if you want to try and get up to 1.50, that is... A very Impossible. tough ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 all correlated together. Uh, clubhead speed minus ball speed equals smash factor, which is efficiency. Divided. Yeah, divide. Sorry, divide. We're gonna do some division in there, but division. It is yeah. what it is. So you you you're doing that, and so slower swing speed uh, golfers will not get anywhere near that top end of the smash factor purely because they don't produce enough power to get higher up so even if they strike off the middle of the club face and they swing about 85 miles an hour you're looking about the one fours um i believe from what i remember in the testing for for me i might get close to one four five if i'm lucky well and this is i mean not to get too far off track here but smash factor i i hate it as a fitting variable because it's yeah. incredibly dependent on 
on which launch monitor you happen to be using. So radar with yeah. TrackMan, it's it's not uncommon to hit one five and even get above. And you know, there's there's plenty yeah. of, of math if you look at Dave Tuttleman. Matt maybe can post a link to his Smash Factor articles on why that's not really possible. It just has to do with with how the club is tracked with it with the various systems. Whereas as, as Harry mentioned on on Foresight, which we use, if you see a one point five, that is a really really good number. If you absolutely positively nut the ball, you'll never hit it again. <laughs> you might yeah one one point four seven. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we see one, four, two, you know, that that's kind of the, the typical range. So, yeah, just kind of keep in mind what, what you're using for tracking it. But And I think a ball can play into a fact here as well. Um, when I went and did. Hold on. Hold on. That's number four. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you skipped. Oh, yeah. I did not see that. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's OK. That means you know what you're talking about. But let's do number three first. Again, another give me, it sounds very obvious, but consistent T heights. I think a lot of people overlook this. Chris, why does it matter? You know, it, it really falls in that category of, you know, you try to eliminate or limit as many variables as you can, right? That's why we talk about getting fit. Um, so many different things within the game have to do with just eliminating certain variables um, or trying to at least handle them and understand the role that they play. And a super easy variable to uh, eliminate, right, is unless you're, you know, playing on a super wet course and it's, uh, you know, lift clean and cheat or lift clean in place or whatever they call it. Um, For which? <laughs> you have you have basically eight ti- 18 times around, right, that you can pick the lie that you get a hit off of, right? And that's on every tee box. Now, again, average course, you know, let's say if with, uh, with 18 holes, four par three, so let's take those out, you know, 10 to 14 times, you're going to be hitting, you know, driver, three wood, something like that. And so if you get to absolutely control... Uh, where that ball is sitting, how that ball is lying, why wouldn't you do that, right? And it's just something that people don't think about a lot. And so I guess the point with tee height is, right, you get a lot of tees that, that have like these little markings or rings on them or whatever. Super easy way to figure out, okay, what is your optimal tee height? And it kind of goes back to item number one of attack angle is super easy way to change your attack angle. I'm just going to tee it up a quarter inch higher than what I typically have. And let's see what type of impact you know that potentially has and let's say you find that optimal launch spin and attack angle com- you know combination and you figure out that you know that that's at that second let's say that second little light ring and i know okay great every time i tee it up for my normal stock driver shot i'm not playing in the wind i'm not trying to do something different whatever the case is i'm just going to put the tee into that second ring and if i do that that's a variable that I've uh, that I've already eliminated, right? The other piece that I would say about that is if you tee the ball too low, it's really, really hard to have a positive angle of attack when you're taking a driver and you have the ball teed up an inch, inch and a half out of the ground. You're, it's going to be really, really, really hard to get a positive angle of attack with any, uh, any amount of consistency. So tee height. I know in the golf lessons that Harry's given me, he's constantly making sure that my tee is at the exact perfect height. Right, Harry? It's the easiest. It's the easiest way to learn. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's something right. The expression is "tee it high and let it fly." And as Chris mentioned, teeing it high promotes a uh, not only a a positive angle of attack, but if you struggle with a slice, it's also going to promote a more inside to out path. So you can, you know, sort of as you raise that that T height to to the degree that it's manageable, there can actually be some real benefits above and beyond just the consistency of. Yep. Simple solution. Simple idea. 
Well, speaking of um, simple problems, this one is not quite so simple. Um, Harry alluded to it earlier, but playing a quality golf ball, and I might add playing the right quality golf ball for you is a huge factor in gaining distance. So, Tony, I'm going to let you run with this one and maybe give us a few hints and things from the ball lab. Yeah, help me, Tony, because I've been doing a lot of reading on Twitter this week and and, and a lot of really good information. So many people saying these golf balls are pretty much just the same. It doesn't matter. They're, they, they all have imperfections. They all, you know, oh, you know, everybody makes a bad ball every once in a while. They're pretty much all all the same. It's it's almost funny. But when you think about, again, we talk about fitting golf clubs, right? And why, why do you get fit for a driver? Because you want to optimize the right combination of ball speed, launch angle, and spin. That's That's why you get fit for a driver. That's effectively why you get fit for just about everything in your bag. And then... <laughs> Sort of there is a perception among some that, but this, the golf ball doesn't matter. But in fact, like any other piece of, of equipment, it, it really is about optimizing ball speed, launch angle, and spin. And so swapping between golf balls as you go is is just not good. So that, that would be the first thing I would say is, is pick a ball and stick with it. Fitting philosophies vary, but with the ball, generally most say start with the green, work your way backwards, and actually once you decide on a golf ball, fit the driver to the ball versus the ball to the driver. And so, you know, quick tip there is before you go out and, and spend all this money on, on a driver and, and get it fully configured, at least make sure that that the ball that you're getting fit with is the ball you actually play because that that does matter. And again, it's yeah. it's it's choosing the right ball. And, and sticking with it, you know, and for some, I get it. Some people like low compression balls. I'm still not going to be on board with, with teeing it up with a softball. I think there are probably better options for most. But again, <laughs> if, if you're, for example, if you struggle with a, a huge slice or keeping the ball straight, whatever, lowering spin off the tee can be be a good way to, to again bring that dispersion tighter together and so that that's one of the arguments that that people will make for a low compression ball hey it spins less it's going to keep you in the fairway more often i would just simply point out that there are low spinning high compression balls that <laughs> don't cost you any distance either but uh maybe a discussion for another day but yeah again just choosing a good ball sticking with it what is the first step to choosing a good ball? If you can give us a Reader's Digest version of where to start. Yeah, I think I think understanding what you're looking for. So do I want, especially, and again, if you believe in the start from the green philosophy and work back, do I need, do I want to lower my trajectory with my wedges? Do I want more spin, less spin? And, and once you sort of understand that piece of your own conversation, you say, all right, here are two or three golf balls that, that reportedly offer the characteristics that I'm looking for, take those balls out onto the golf course and, or to a practice green or wherever you can and just see how they respond when you hit them. And, and with enough shots, you're going to see which one does what you want it to do more often. Uh, I did a test several years ago. It was just a wedge test. I, I tried like, I want to say eight of the leading brands and I was hitting into a net and I was just looking at, at launch and spin numbers. And what I found pretty quickly was it wasn't, Nothing popped and it was like, this is the ball for you, right? But it's sort of like, all right, I hit this with a wedge. And and of the eight or 10 that I used, these, these five did what I wanted them to do more or less off the wedge. Now I'm going to move to the irons. And 
oh, okay, now now after I go through my iron program and I'm hitting various iron shots and, and trying to control trajectories and looking at my launch and spin rates, all right, now, now it's really only these two or three that are doing what I want to do. Now I'm going to go in, I'm going to hit some hybrid shots because that's that's a key one for me. I hit a lot of squirrely drives and so I need to be able to hit hybrids <laughs> into greens and have and have them stop. And so then it's like, all right, now now it's these two or three and then just kind of process of elimination, work your way from from the wedge to the driver. And that that's my recommendation. You know, Bridgestone might feel differently. Callaway might say focus on the irons. Uh, Titleist would probably agree with me. Dean Snell would probably agree with me. But it's it's ultimately you just need to kind of go through a, a series of shots and find what works for you. Harry, you've migrated through a couple of different balls recently. Have you found that it really makes a difference in distance, the ball that you play? Yeah, I mean, the ball that I, I, uh, I played gave me two miles an hour more ball speed off the driver um, predominantly, but then in the irons, I didn't lose any coming down Um, and I could vary the flight. I could hit them high, hit them low um, if I wanted to, and then spin them around the greens. I've come to find that a ball, you have to give up something because every ball is not going to be perfect, perfectly fit to you from what in my own experience, perfectly. So in like 15 yards to the pin, do I want it to go in low and come up and check and then just stop? Yes. Have I found a ball that can do that? Yes. But I haven't found a ball that will spin less off the tee and mid in the eye. And so, so you're gonna, it's a, it's a give and take from what I've seen. But I, I've, got, I've got to a place where I'm very comfortable with where, where my spin is off the tee and around the greens and all those kind of characteristics. So it took me a while to find it, um, but I ended up finding able. Yeah. There, there's something to be said too for for sort of deciding, hey, where where in my game do I need the most help at this yep. particular time? Because like Harry said, there's it, it's tough to say yeah. that the, the perfect golf ball exists. And certainly if, if you're lucky enough to find a ball that is perfect for you, there are a million other people who, who aren't going to be optimized across the board. If you're in a good spot and your game is relatively balanced, say, hey, yeah, work from work from the, the green back, process of elimination, etc. But if you have a glaring weakness in your game that you think you can address with, or at least partially address with a golf ball, that's not a bad approach either. All right. Number five. This is another one that we've talked about recently because of Bryson DeChambeau, but swing faster. Chris, how do we do that? It sounds easy, but it might not be. Swing harder, swing faster. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a real simple piece of this, which is if you want to hit the ball further, you got to swing faster. You got to generate more club head speed. Um, and so the question is, right, how do you do that? I don't really want to work out, want to sit around, eat a lot of ice cream, hang out in the hot tub. Protein shakes, man. Protein shakes. They're the same thing as milkshakes, <laughs> Six right? Six protein shakes a day. It's like yoga. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> there are so many things, you know, that you can do. Um, two that I would highlight, you know, we've, we've had, we've seen a lot of people have good experiences with super speed. Um, you know, the, the hard part with training aids and some of those things is that they know that that speed sells. People want to hit the ball further. And so there's a ton of awful products out there. Uh, things that are, you know, kind of here today, gone tomorrow. Products that are that are basically... Back again next week. Yeah, junk junk science, you know, desperation row at the PGA show kind of stuff. And there's not many out there that actually work. The two, you know, that I would toss out there, like I said, super speed. There's a lot of science backing it around the overspeed training, the neuroscience behind it. 
um, basically just getting your body to understand that it can swing faster than it actually does. So think of it kind of like taking a governor off a golf cart. Like that golf cart can go faster. You just remove this one part. And now it's like, oh, okay, I can go 25 miles an hour rather than eight miles an hour. Same kind of thing is, is kind of resetting your the neurological response to speed and, and having your brain tell the rest of your body, hey, you can actually swing this a little bit faster. And that's kind of what the training and protocols are around. That's one. Other one that I've uh, been digging into a little bit lately, a little bit more lately, and Tony, you probably know about this too. Two is Clay Ballard uh, has a program out there. Top um, speed. Top speed. Um, Lou Stagner does a lot of stats uh, work for us, um, I believe, has also kind of dabbled in that. And people have seen a lot of positive results from, from that system, too. I think it's same kind of idea is unlocking what your body is able to do and, and, and pushing it into certain areas and not necessarily saying, hey, you got to be in the gym eight, 10 hours a day. You got to eat, you know, six protein shakes, put on 40 pounds or, or whatever the case is. But here are some things that if you're willing to invest an hour a week, right, you're willing to invest 20 minutes a day, three times a week, something like that, um, and, and put in some effort around that. You know, there are things that you can do to boost your club head speed. Um, yeah, if you're willing to invest that amount of time. But super speed, Clay Ballard, um, what is it, top speed? To, or yeah. And, and I, I would say like the biggest difference between the two programs, obviously there's some variation in the drills, super speed, you're swinging sticks, uh, with, with top speed, you're, you're hitting golf balls with your own driver. So there's not sort of that all right, different weight elements. It really is just sort of a series of drills to, to train you to swing faster. Mm-hmm. And so the first day I did it, and unfortunately I haven't had a lot of time to get to it. We've had some some nasty weather and some stuff going on. And so, but the, the first time I did it, what part of the, every, every, every day you do the drills, you find what's called your playing speed. And that's basically, Hey, I, I I'm loosen up and I'm going to swing like I typically would on the golf course. How fast is this club moving? So first time right. I did super speed, my playing speed was around 103 miles an hour. I think I got it up to like 104 on one swing, doing it kind of the finding the playing speed. I, I did the drills and then saw where I was at the end. I hit 112. Now, obviously, that's, you know, that's a massive gain in just one day, and it's not necessarily a swing you'd take to the course. But again, it's it's sort of conditioning your mind to understand that that you are capable of more speed than than your body believes you are at the time. So I, th- I think there's a there's a high ceiling. And it's, again, pretty easy way to gain speed if you're, again, swinging, swinging the stick drills. If you're if it's super speed, spending some time with with going through the drills with top speed and and to see sort of quantity quantifiable head speed benefits without without buying a new club without lessons which you know for my money is still probably the best way to improve your game but just kind of some some really simple basic stuff that you can do at home it's harry how fast do you swing um about 122 <laughs> and that's without training yeah games? i haven't done it just because i don't want to get any faster yeah that's, that's 122 <laughs> yeah. is the worst well tony and i have that situation we have Kind of tapped yeah. out. We don't want to embarrass people we play with. Well, that about wraps it up for our five guaranteed ways to gain distance. Guys, I thought this was a good discussion. Some helpful tips in there. I, I really do feel like we should have delved a little more deeper into protein shakes. All right. Lenny is killing us right now. I know. The dogs, uh, yep. So uh, we bah. are. Yeah. I'm <laughs> go solve this problem.